guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people, their choices, challenges, and opportunities. And today I have a very special guest, Tan. <laughs> hey Tan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for asking me to be here. Nice. So Tan, what's your sort of one minute introduction? Um, I'm 22 years old. Uh, I'm Vietnamese Australian and I'm currently studying Masters of Speech Pathology at UQ. Very exciting. Yeah. So we really want to know how Tan got to where he is today. So we're going to start right at the beginning. Mm. So tell me about your childhood. What kind of child were you like growing up? Um, I guess background, uh, I did live, I do still currently live in a rural area. So I live on a farm. No animals oh. though, but it's a vegetable farm. Um, and then, yeah, I've just lived there my whole life. And then I studied at UQ, which is in the city. So I think definitely I changed a lot from there. But I guess as a child, um, actually I do kind of think about this uh, quite often. Um, and it's like, because now that I <coughs> study speech pathology, which you work a lot with kids in pediatrics yeah. and stuff, um, they tell you about all the telltale, like telltale signs of um, kids development, right? So they're like, oh, kids who do this, like, like my maybe as a red flag or kids who do this is a good sign. Yeah. Um, so I've asked my parents quite recently about some of the things I did and I didn't know, but apparently I did like to read a lot as a mm. kid. I know for sure I definitely um, uh, played a lot with my imagination. Oh. Um, so like, you know, like walking around like imaginary play yeah. and then also drawing, lots of drawing and stuff as well. So yeah, I think I was a pretty like a <clears throat> creative kid or proactive kid because when I was younger, I did want to be an artist um, oh. and or artist or an author but obviously as you know you grow up other things come into play and then I think of different uh, options become available but yeah that I think that sums up kind of like the type of child I was I'd say. Yeah that's cool and do you have siblings? Yes I have one older sibling yes oh. he is a engineer Ooh, yeah very so cool. very different from me <laughs> yeah. yeah but he's a very like <clears throat> I would say um, I'm quite extroverted. I'm yeah. pretty extroverted, Very but he's extroverted. quite. <laughs> but he's quite um, introverted. Classic engineer. Yeah. yeah Classic cool. engineer. <laughs> yeah. But when you were yeah. younger, you were also very extroverted, or um, not really. I think from like, you know, from personal judgment, I wouldn't say I was. But yeah. then definitely by uni, I would say I was. Yeah. Like I think um, I could definitely pinpoint like the mental shift where it's like in uni I decide. To, to be more extroverted yeah. but when I was younger I definitely wouldn't say like <laughs> I'd go talk to anyone or anything like definitely nowadays I'm much I'm much better at like being extroverted yeah so. that's awesome because I was gonna say you know liked art liked reading played a lot of imagination by yourself yeah. <laughs> sounds like a very introverted lifestyle yeah I think um, I definitely did play on my own a lot a lot yeah. a lot yeah for sure yeah <laughs> And tell me about what it was like growing up on a vegetable farm. <laughs> um, actually, pretty pretty difficult. Um, well, there are many benefits though. Oh, you know, free veggies, like, fresh veggies. That's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually, as a child, I was pretty like unhealthy. Like now, now I'm much healthier, and I do use the produce at home. But when I was yeah. younger, definitely not, <laughs> definitely not healthy. But um, I'd say, for example, I'm really good at waking up early nowadays. I'm definitely an yeah. uh, early bird, which I think Ooh. for our age group is quite rare. Because yeah, I think most people work best at, at night time. Yeah, but I definitely, in the hours of 6 to 12 a.m., or 12 p.m., <laughs> I work the best, for sure. Definitely in the morning. I always wake up at 6 or something because 
um, when you're harvesting vegetables, you have to wake up at five, four or five or something. And that's when it's cool yeah. right, at that time. Um, and then also, I guess, uh, like it's hard to admit, like, because my parents say it and you don't want to admit it, but it's like, yeah, yeah there is like discipline. Yeah. And there is like that kind of organization that you get from yeah. like doing labor really early on. Yeah. But there is also many, like many negative aspects. Like technically child labor is yeah, one of them. Yeah. But the other one is like, uh, I have eczema and my skin is quite sensitive. Yeah. So doing hard labor, like, well not hard labor is a bit harsh, but maybe like doing... When the weather like, is you know, like really bad. When the weather is bad, it's, it's really bad. And also like, for example, you would use latex gloves, obviously. Oh, yeah, right? And so I'm allergic to latex. Yeah. That's how I found that out. But there's many instances where, example, um, you know, like your skin has like oils and stuff that you need yeah. to have on there to keep it protective. But when you're working with vegetables and washing stuff all the time, oh, but then I can't use gloves yeah. because of latex. So like definitely, for example, I have eczema on my hands now, which yeah. is has started because of farm work. Not now, oh. but it, it began then and it's persisted since. Or for example, like, uh, oh, like also... Um, you know, like uh, weeds and stuff, yeah. like stinging nettles and stuff. Yeah. When you have eczema, 10 times so worse, bad. 10 times worse. Because, you know, it might be itchy for you and then it swells or something. But if it's itchy for me, it like Stays. wounds the skin. Yeah. You oh. mean? So um, definitely good and bad. But now I think my parents have chosen not to let me like, obviously I have my own jobs and stuff now, yeah. but they don't expect me to work on the farm anymore, which is way better. <laughs> and your brother but doesn't no, he is, cover uh, up your share. No, he is... Uh, <laughs> very like very introverted in the sense that he does not see the sunlight classic engineer you know <laughs> but lives on the farm that's pretty funny he does yeah it's strange like the whole farm is quiet like the house is very old it's actually a temple as well because my parents are really religious they're oh, buddhist wow um, so you guys live in a temple yeah it's actually a temple wow. um so it's in the sense that um because we don't live in like a country where buddhism is like the main religion oh i'm not yeah. religious by the yeah. way but um like it's not the primary religion i'd say that um for people to find places to gather can just be people's houses yeah. and um for mine we do have a shrine and everything there so on special occasions most people come to my house together i mean it is a farm so we do have the land as well um but yeah like the whole house is quite like traditional like shrine and then like vegetables here and then there's the one room that's super high-tech my brother, my brother's room oh. where like the lights turn on by clapping and then like wow, uh, and like voice control and like two computers like two two desktops and yeah. stuff and then the rest of the house is like a farm but his one single centralized room is extremely high tech but yeah because yeah, cool. he's a computer engineer okay, so like um yeah it's electrical and computer so it's his profession and he does enjoy it which is um i think quite surprising considering like with my upbringing how he got into that direction considering all of like the surroundings. Yeah. But um, to be fair, my father was also an engineer as well. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. that helped. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Tell me more about the vegetables. So what um, vegetables you got there? That uh, fresh produce? I'm a bad son, so I don't really know. <laughs> but <laughs> it tends to be really like, know. Um, you know, just seasonal vegetables, a lot of like Asian vegetables because we deliver yeah. to Asian markets. Yeah, um, but yeah. Not that one actually, oh. more Vietnamese focused. So um, if you've ever eaten pho before, um, oh. Like Vietnamese pho, yeah. Um, the herbs and stuff we all grow. So normally when we eat it too, we don't need to buy it. Nice. Um, not many classic Western vegetables like potatoes or carrots, but definitely yeah. um, stuff like parsley is really common because it yeah. grows year round and it's very yeah. profitable. Um, I'd say we also have like because it's land, we have space for fruit. 
but the fruit's oh. just for us because we don't make enough for a commercial amount. Yeah. And what kind so, of fresh fruit do you have? Uh, right now, probably dragon fruit, watermelon, oh. pineapple, passion oh. fruit. Oh, your friends must fruit. love you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I do normally like because uh, you know gestures are like if I'm tutoring yeah. or if we have tons to give but not enough to sell. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. Like fresh fruit, there is definitely one of the best benefits. Yeah. The vegetables. It's okay. It's okay. Like chives and stuff like that is nice, but fruits are really like a good gift and also like yeah. convenient to eat at home as well. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then yeah. how do you sort of go and sell those vegetables? So do you go to like a big retailer like Woolies or? Um, I think, well, my parents are getting a lot older nowadays, yeah. but before... Who's going to look after the farm then? Um, well, actually they, they still will. Um, yeah. The thing is like, uh, I'd say before, like currently we still do a lot of markets, but before my dad also did it to Brisbane markets. So yeah. then that would go to Woolworths and yeah. such and such. Um, but since they're getting older, they no longer do Brisbane markets because that's like a high demand, like yeah. high demand. And um, so instead we mainly just do local places like, uh, do you know Inala? Yeah. It's a really common area for Vietnamese people. Yes. So definitely there, we like each of the markets there. So if you've eaten at one of those, it's probably our produce. Wow. Um, and then also ones near our house as well because that's convenient yeah. but yeah I mean regarding like who would take over definitely not me <laughs> definitely not my brother but Speaking it's more like um, well I would say that's actually one of the things uh, that leads into some career choices for me as well yeah. my dad did used to be an engineer and my mother was used, uh, was her sec was his secretary before oh, uh, like not that's not, that's not how they met that's not how they met okay. like they were <coughs> choosing to start a business together yeah. but then my dad like uh, because our grandparents used to do farming, he yeah. wanted to do that. So he opted out to do this instead. So this is what they are doing, what they enjoy. So they don't really feel the need to retire. But the goal is, you know, obviously pay off mortgage and everything. Yeah. And then eventually um, just make, just like run a farm at the level that it's comfortable and enough to live by. Yeah. And I think that really ties into their philosophy of like being Buddhist as well. Very like yeah. living off the land, don't take. Like I think it's, it's admirable. I don't, yeah. No, I get it, and it's admirable. I wouldn't follow it though, yeah. but it's in the sense that like, they know their set amount, you know, like as in, they it's make so this simple. much to, nice yeah, like pay off mortgage and then like pay off bills and food. But then for example, because it's a farm, like lots of acreage. My mom also yeah. grows orchids, oh. right? And it's obviously a nice and great environment for that. But then the money she gets from selling them, even though, you know, we could use it to buy new appliances or yeah. replace really old stuff in our yeah. house. Or like, you know, or like, help it to pay mortgage more or something. Um, any money they make over a certain limit in a week, they just send to charity or something. Cause it's like, oh, that's exactly how much they need. And look, I get it, I respect it. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, hey, our fridge works like half the time. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be nice to yeah. replace it. But, um, you know, I respect it. Like it's like definitely very like, that's why they feel they probably wouldn't need to retire. Like now they say, like also farming the wages, like not, not great the salary isn't yeah. amazing and it's also really dependent on weather yeah, as well sucks. so um and i definitely get this aspect from my father but he's really organized in the sense that you know even in those days we have enough money to cover cover for that yeah. um but it's like uh what was i saying <laughs> um, enough to cover for that your father yeah it's uh like right now maybe i get two to three to four k a week yeah. i would say is like the average wage but then yeah when they retire, like that's, we make that much because we would need to pay off bills and stuff. But eventually they said they'd be happy just making like maybe 2K a week. Yeah. That's enough to just live. Once yeah. the, like everything's paid off, 
they can just comfortably live at like that kind of range. Yeah. And, and that's apparently not, not too much work. And they enjoy it. So like Yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's more than just Yeah, a job. it's more like yeah, so lifestyle. And I think that really also uh, maybe it's jumping a bit ahead. But like yeah. I always normally talk to um, ask our friends about this in which yeah. I'm like, um, which kind of pathway, like which kind of career um, mindset do you have? And it's not it's not obviously a binary system. Yeah. But um, I feel like sometimes uh, people are very uh, work now, you know, or suffer, I would say, or like, you know, like it's difficult and then retire later and enjoy yeah. or mo have more emphasis on doing something that you like and then working till the end yeah. of your life. The slow burn. Yeah. And then for me, it's definitely the second one. And yeah. I would attribute that to my parents. I wouldn't say either is correct. I'd see the benefits of both. Yeah. But definitely from <laughs> my parents' mindset as someone, like they want to keep working like that, I, I'm the same. Like that's why I, what I do, I want to, I enjoy like what the work I do. And then, um, yeah, and then, yeah, I would also yeah, in awesome. another separate thing, yeah. I feel like having a function in society, I think it's called functionalism, is uh, for me, like, that's important. So not having a function is the same as, like, not being there. For me. So I feel yeah. like it's good to have like a purpose something kind of to do, something. a purpose. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, like, it's a bit, you know. It's bit, so hollow. Um, Your existence yeah, exactly. is like, why am I alive? Yeah, just to, like, retire and buy stuff. I think it's like, oh, I want to do something for, you know. Like, That's cool. Yeah. Can I ask, what kind of engineer was your dad before? He was an electrical engineer as well. So he yeah. was doing, um, and from that he was going to start a um, security business. Yeah. So, you know, like security systems and stuff. And that, that's why my brother did electrical too. Oh. So that's how it links into that. Yeah. yeah. Was it, do you know much about their decision to quit everything and join the farm? Was it something to do with like, oh, you know, we got two kids, we want to raise them in a nice environment? Um, definitely, it's actually, actually it's kind of interesting because um, I actually feel like most people probably wouldn't know that much about their parents' yeah. um, choices. But um, recently this year, I moved out of my house. Yeah. You did? Um, I moved back though. It was quite a temporary situation. Yeah. But then through that, I got close to my parents by you know, being away from them. Yeah. And um, I got to learn a lot about their mindset of like why they chose to do what they did. And um, it's in part, like the thing is obviously the security thing would be a lot more money Possible. and like, yeah, but I think their philosophy was, um, they weren't that religious at the time. This was just yeah. their personal philosophy. Um, but it was like, they really wanted to be there for us the whole time we were being raised. That's why like they work from home. Yeah. Um, and they said, you know, they could always be there for special events and stuff. Yeah. Um, and even though we lived in kind of a, like they, this is just reality. Yeah. But even though we live in kind of like a rural area, public school is not great. It's yeah. pretty, like, if I had children, I'm not sending them to yeah. public school. Seriously. Unless yeah. it's like selective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not great. And I said that too, because when I graduated high school, I was like, when I went to uni, I was like, all these people who went to private school, their connections are so amazing. Yeah. And like, they're so well integrated yeah. into this, like, Society. when I say well integrated, not as in like adapted well, but they know a lot of people, they have connections. Like if I wanted to do maybe business or law, I would have to build from the ground up. Like my yeah. parents don't know anyone. Yeah. Um, like that kind of sense. So I was not spiteful, but a bit like, yeah. oh, you guys should have, because I was going to go to State High actually. Yeah, you were? Um, what yeah. happened? It's too far. So I didn't oh. go. Yeah, but one of my childhood friends also lived in the same area and he did go to State High. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't go. Um, and but their thing was and I was like why would you leave me in a public school where yeah. there's so much risk of like yeah. doing drugs yeah. and like doing this and doing that and then they were like oh but that's why we work from home to make sure you don't do that 
right? Yeah, and I was like, I was, it's really hard to admit, but I'm like, okay, technically that did work. Like, yeah. because they were there every day, like, I wasn't left alone. Yeah. Like, they were always like, do your homework. And to be fair though, I was quite um, high achiever. So I was very yeah, like, you were I was smart. in line with that kind of me mental, but obviously that comes from them like pushing me from the start. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like it's hard to admit, like they technically, what they did is right, even yeah. though like, you feel like, I don't, yeah, don't want to admit that. it. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to admit it, but yeah. But even in the end, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, not everything does work out. But yeah. the pathway that my th parents imagined for me definitely did work out quite well. They, because my dad went to uni. Yeah. So he was like, oh, when you get to uni, then you can have your social life. Oh, right? ta-da, extrovert. Yeah, and then, you know, he was right in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. that doesn't make them perfect. There's many other things. But like... Yeah. Uh, I guess that's their mindset of like wanting to choose like like it's like a lifestyle choice less than like yeah. a, about like the money or anything that's it. Yeah, yeah, wow, that is actually yeah pretty like well thought through mm. like how uh, they planned. That's just because they it worked out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, not to say that like uh, yeah, I do yeah. think that sometimes like oh yeah wow like people in our area because there's many families in our situation yeah. where like immigrant parents yeah and then like farmers as well but their child like their children end up in a much different pathway. There are many people I know that have similar situations to me, but they might like go into, not to say that any job is like more value than the other, yeah. but then I know my parents value higher education. Yeah. And then both me and my brother went into higher education, Tick. whereas <laughs> the others like went into like trades or retail yeah, as their permanent you. job. So yeah. I think like, <laughs> I get uh, you. It's easy yeah. to justify when it worked out fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be fair, you know, it's it's back and forth. It's like, well, it worked out fine because they did that. Da, da, da. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's interesting. Mm. Okay. Um, so tell me more about when you were young. Did you enjoy being on the vegetable farm? No. You hated it. Um, I when I was young, no. But looking back, I would say definitely because oh. I wasn't like an active child, uh, like as in not like physically. Because if I do too much physical activity, I would like yeah. my eczema would flare. Yeah. But um, I definitely because I like to, to like play imaginary games. Yeah. I would walk around a lot, yeah. but I realized oh I, I when I went to live in Sunnybank, like in the suburban area. Whoa, congratulations! Um, when was that? You didn't visit like, me. Like started this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I went to visit, like when I lived in those areas or nowadays when I'm in the city and stuff, yeah. there really isn't that much space. And like the fresh air, I'm yeah. like, oh, I do really miss it yeah. like back there. So, um, and like definitely that, oh, it's kind of interesting, I think how that imaginary play like developed later on into my life. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, now I'm like, oh, I'm pretty glad I did have that because anytime I wanted, I can just walk outside. And yeah. like, it's like the park is next door. Yeah. Right. So not to say that suburbs don't have parks, yeah. but it is a like a random nice benefit, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And am I allowed to ask, when did your eczema start flowing? Um, from birth. From birth? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. from, the, from the very start. It was pretty, like it's, yeah, like uh, congenital. Oh, but, okay. um, you yeah. know, I've definitely learned to live with it, so. Yeah. yeah, and then maybe some people, they don't really know what it's like living with eczema. Can you sort of like explain what it looks like from your side? Oh, pretty horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, pretty horrible. Like, um, actually, oh, so that temporary situation where I moved out and I moved yeah. back in, yeah. I would say 80% of that was because of eczema, actually. Oh, um, okay. In the sense that moving out is really stressful and then any kind of mental strain or stress yeah. definitely influences eczema. Like if I get stressed, I'll probably start scratching. Like yeah. now I don't have like this, none of mine is bio, like 
it's not biologically triggered. There's nothing that oh, okay. um, in my body that I'm eating or anything that's triggering my eczema. Yeah. It's normally external sources like heat yeah, or maybe right. like, um, that's just because of sweat. But then yeah. stress is probably the biggest cause of it for me now. Yeah. Like, um, and I think this year was the year it peaked. It's definitely gone down, but I had my first infection with eczema this year. And apparently it's really common for other people with eczema. But um, I, looked after, I looked after my eczema fairly well, so I don't yeah. normally get that. But this year I had my first infection and it was horrible. Like my hands, I couldn't like open or close them. Yeah. Like um, because like they don't heal, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but uh, definitely started this year when it was at its worst period, it's like no sleep. Oh, like you can't yeah. sleep when you go to sleep like um and you can tell your body's homeostasis is completely thrown off it's yeah. the normal balance is not there at all yeah. like um normal body functions don't work it's just like your sweat isn't working properly like yeah. your skin's not healing properly yeah. like um or for example i still have this habit now when i drive um yeah. i try to but i sometimes hesitate to do um over the shoulder check yeah. because when i had um, my, my serious flare, my skin was too dry on my neck that yeah. it would really hurt yeah. to turn my head. Yeah. Like now I'm trying to readjust to do that because yeah. that's safe driving, yeah. drive safely. <laughs> um, but like even now I'm like, oh, I realize I hesitate to turn yeah. too far back. Like yeah. you really should turn the full way, but I like yeah. just like side eye a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, and like, oh, my parents definitely helped me a lot through that. Like yeah. you can't, like honestly, if you need full body moisturizer, yeah. It's too hard to do for yourself. You really need a supportive family member to help you yeah. or something. And um, my mum would always help me and my dad, like without question, even my brother, we're not that close, but like yeah. they know, they understand. Yeah. Um, but it is like being set on fire. Yeah. It is like, there are many times, it's not a super healthy thought, but yeah. there's many times where I'm like, it's really hard to experience this knowing that it's not a pain that everyone else has to experience. Okay. If that makes sense? Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, I wish this pain upon others. It's yeah. more like, Why wow, like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like that kind of really yeah. unhealthy thought. It's like, um, it's such a disadvantage and like yeah. that not that many people, actually nowadays quite a lot of people have it, but yeah. it really, it really depends. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a struggle. I would say it's made my mental stronger though. Yeah. <laughs> like definitely, I'm, there are times where I'm like, well, pain tolerance is higher, but these are kind of like small issues. Like the yeah. thing is, uh, heat causes sweat, but so does exercise. Yeah. So definitely I would say like, I had like, I was obese as a kid. My childhood obesity, definitely a, like a <clears throat> side effect of having eczema. Cause I couldn't exercise yeah. fully. Yeah. The moment I would start, I would start scratching. Yeah. Um, even now I still do. It's just, I value the exercise enough that I push through it. Or like I have like the mental fortitude like to not scratch yeah. <laughs> or something like um and even days like this is so so yeah. difficult yeah. so difficult yeah like um like volleyball I always scratch yeah um dance I always as well so yeah. like definitely it's a struggle for sure but um yeah it's it just sucks I wouldn't say it makes me a better person I would much prefer not to have it yeah <laughs> but, it probably makes me more compassionate but yeah definitely in terms of a like a medical standpoint, I think, yeah, definitely more um, considerate of like other people's conditions, I'd say. But yeah, it's not not an amazing experience. Would not rate it. <laughs> yeah, no. Is it yeah. Um, something that is like constant, like eight hours or 24 hours, would you say? Really depends on the severity of the day. Sometimes, sometimes it's never. 
that's like sometimes it's like not at all but then yeah. honestly exercising will always trigger it but that's like a f maybe two hour period or something yeah um yeah i'd say yeah. that okay. do you have any sort of tips for how to cope to the audience mm, honestly moisturizer <laughs> moisturizer <laughs> definitely helps uh, yeah. but i think it's really like it's really mental training it's really like yeah. like i said i'm no longer religious because yeah. um you know just personal choices but um really taking the time to like like for my parents meditation yeah. i would say that and it's like really just isolating everything only to the point that you can focus on the pain you know if that in in the sense that's like uh, when lots of things are going on yeah. the itching is on the side is a natural instinct so you just do it without yes. thinking but then when you like calm yourself down and it's the only thing that's happening to you you can block out those thoughts if that makes yeah. sense like because you know like if i'm getting stressed like this study like, i can't focus like yeah. oh yeah i might just hit a scratch yeah, yeah. um but then if you're calm and then like if there's only one thing happening to you you have more control to stop it i would yeah. say but i would say that um it's like it's really a different experience for everyone like even the people that have a, a small amount just by having it in a small amount if it flares the effects are, can be really negative so like i know many friends who their skin is quite clear but they have like seasonal eczema yeah. when they have it like they can't so move bad. their face or hands or something yeah. like um it really depends it really depends i'd say yeah. yeah, and then just wondering, like, if you have like a friend with eczema, how do you sort of like better support them, or like, is there anything? Yeah, you can? we always bring moisturizer for each other. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually really great. Um, I Any like I have a do? friend of mine who's um, yeah, Peter Doe. He uh, also yes. has eczema too. Yes. And then when we see each other, you know, I'm like, hey, can I wear <laughs> <laughs> moisturizer? <laughs> like, and then or he just asks me if I need it sometimes, and oh, I'm like, that's oh yeah, thanks. Really sweet. Um, actually, one of um something I don't know if you have Kezia. But it was oh, a really sweet thing that she did the other day. And I realized like, oh, she is a close friend of mine. Is that like, um, I was at uni. I wasn't particularly having a flare or anything. I think yeah. I was like stretching a bit. But she's like, oh, do you, have moist do you need moisturizer? And I'm like, oh yeah, thanks. Because sometimes I just think people bring, like, they bring moisturizer in general. Yeah. And I was like, oh, why do you always have it? And she's like, oh, I bring it for you. Oh, and I thought that so was really sweet. nice. That's a really nice to have. But yeah, I think that's the easiest temporary like solve. Like it helps yeah. you, it reduces the pain, like a painkiller, yeah. I'd say. Um, it doesn't solve the problem, but actually in, in speaking that, I guess, yeah. I went to the hospital about it and then, see, I think I'm fine, yeah. but they saw it and then they were like, hmm, like, you know, like, this is like really bad. Uh, and I was like, yeah. oh, really? I thought this was like, okay. And they're yeah. like, they're like, oh, modern medicine has definitely advanced very far since back then. Like, yeah. they're like, you pretty much don't have to live with eczema anymore. Oh, like, hello. So, That's really uh, exciting. Naturally, though, keeping in mind, dermatology clinics are very busy. Like, yeah. getting yourself on that, yeah. unless you go through some infection and become really high priority for treatment, oh, you I don't get it instantly. But yeah. it takes quite, um, because so many people have it. But nowadays, eczema treatment are like, uh, is pretty, like, pretty advanced now. Yeah. So they say, like, um, the hospitals say you really don't need to, like, suffer this much with yeah. it anymore. But for me... You know, it's uh, something I also learned in speech. It's like ICF, like an international classification of functioning. Mm. Um, the this the impact of eczema on my life now is not so bad that I need to get really intensive treatment. Oh, so okay. definitely, there I think there's a time that it could become that, and I might want to get that. Mm. But right now, it doesn't affect functioning enough for me to seek yeah. treatment. I'd say, but yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Though. Yeah.
Yeah, cool. And then tell me more about, so when you were young, you wanted to be an author or something artsy. Did your parents sort of have any kind of input? Um, their mindset, because my dad did higher education, was yeah. go to uni first, always. Yeah. But they were really, really supportive of my job or anything I picked, which is, oh, I think, quite, really nice. quite uncommon for yeah. um, a lot of like... But your parents are very religious at the same time, so I would expect um, that they would be like... Like, more, more like, conservative? Um, more like hands-off, like, you know, oh, you know, as long as Tan is happy, oh, that kind of thing, yeah. rather than like... There's definitely, oh. definitely a mix, I would say, oh, yeah. Okay. But I think their thing was like, they really didn't, like, they really just let me have any choice I wanted. Actually, clearly remembering on that, you know how come Asian kids... Yeah. Um, like a ten, like when they're born, they have like this cultural thing where it's like they put like a book. A pen, oh, like I a love pen. it! Yeah. I do remember my mom said I picked up a pen in a book. Oh, for sure. And then no, she said that is like oh, I knew you were always meant to like do something like yeah, your brain writing, or something. Oh, like that. so something she like framed that. it. Yeah. yeah, or something like that. Um, but as in like yeah, like reading or something. But um, they were pretty supportive because. Um, you know, they knew that I had like active imagination, yeah. but they did want me to check higher education anyway. And I think they know that like, you know, when you grow up other things, cause you know, like you might want to be a paleontologist cause, cause you like dinosaurs, but it's yeah. a lot more than just like liking dinosaurs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then I'd say like, uh, definitely by, <clears throat> definitely by high school, like it was properly fleshed out, but um, yeah, I, I even, I still draw now. Like, it's still a hobby of mine. I like. Yeah, you're actually um, really good at drawing. And <laughs> you draw you. the, like, the cutest cartoons. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Lucky tutor students. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, um, it is really helpful in speech. And, no, I'm really glad to have that creative side for yeah. myself. It's really helpful in so many, good many with, like, situations. Kids as well. yeah. yeah, but the author thing, technically speaking, I am published. Oh, um, Only because I wanted writing competition as a, in high school. <gasps> And they publish that book in a short story. Things. It's not that serious, but I do remember my English teacher was really proud. So she like yeah. went up to the front of the school and was like, "Oh, tons of published author in grade nine. What are you guys doing?" Yeah. And I'm like, "It's like <laughs> it's, a bit of a it's like a five it's a five hundred word um like yeah. five hundred word passage. It's not like not crazy." Wow. Wow. I mean, so we all need yeah. to know the name of this huh? passage. I. It's been a it's been a long, long time, but um. Oh, sorry, we're doing so, a filming thing that so. um, we've already pre-spoken to about. Okay, so they know about it? Yeah, they know about it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Back okay. to the podcast. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm not going to edit that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I would say, like, oh, I think it's kind of weird because I think, uh, I still think in a really logical sense, it's not mm. that creative, yeah. but um, the way that I approach the, like, narratives is why I shoot it English in the oh. sense that like I look at it in a more math perspective than I yeah. do a uh, creative perspective yeah. like even for the short story like this doesn't matter it's like I did it in grade 9 but essentially I read another passage online yeah. or something and then I was like this story is really cool and then yeah. honestly in my head that story is not that different from the one I read like it's ah. quite similar but because I wrote it in my own words or yeah. like changed it accurate like oh you mean in a way that's acceptable yeah it looks like my own work if that yeah. makes sense for me i still think it's like heavily inspired yeah but I'll, like otherwise it looks really unique if that makes sense like yeah. in fact i'm pretty sure i don't think i've read a single book one the full way through Ooh. not a single book i normally like it's too like my attention span is too Short. too minimal <laughs> yeah but um 
for example, video games. Yeah. They, I'm really interested in the lore of a lot of them, and they yeah. like they have really great short story writers. Nowadays, it's really hard to make a living. I think as an author sometimes yeah, because of like the sure. oversaturation, and then also, but then um, a lot of creative directors or like people like that go towards video games and stuff, mm. and they create some really great like stories and like and it has to be compact. I definitely prefer short stories because. The lack of world building means you need to really think harder. It's like a puzzle yeah. about how you want to communicate your message. I think yeah. like that's way... That's more of a challenge. Yeah. yeah. But then in that sense, like for example, when I tutor English, it's like... Um, uh, like normally most of my students get success with it because yeah. it's like... Um, I break it down to like tiniest isn't like, oh, I ask them to read a line. I'm like, why exactly did they put this line in? And we do that for every individual line in the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. As in yeah. it's not like... I want them to know why it's there, not like just because, which is a lot of the explanation of English is yeah, just because. Yeah, so, fill the word count. Yeah, definitely like. that's why like my um, uh, English is my like highest workload for tutoring is yeah. because I think a lot of people struggle because it's just so like conceptual. Yeah, it is. It's sense. hard to sort of explain yeah, to people exactly. how to write a good story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like getting it, like getting, like producing ideas as well is also as hard as like breaking down or analyzing. Yeah. So yeah, but I try to make it as as methodical as possible yeah. and then hopefully that makes enough sense i guess yeah well that's that. so awesome that like you are like so creative but so logical mm, <clears throat> i think yeah. which is like such like a rare mix because other people mm. are like you know yeah just super no yeah definitely like one or, or the other yeah yeah, I, I, other. yeah I, I do get that blessed yeah. i'd like to thank your parents for hello. sure <laughs> <laughs> sure sure yeah Sounds yeah. good. And then tell me about, so when you were choosing about what you wanted to do at university, what was floating through your mind? Uh, I got OP1, so I wanted to do med. Whoa, sure. whoa, It's obviously whoa. that. <laughs> it's really easily that. Um, like, what about law, excuse you? Um, before Words, that, writing, no, no, no. Um, before that, I was going to do like maybe, I don't know, like math or something, like some really random stuff. Like, yeah. Um, maybe engineering, because my brother was doing it too. But then I got OP1 and I was like, okay, I'm going for... Uh, because you don't want to waste it? Don't want to waste it, yeah. <gasps> I and hate it. It's such a burden sometimes. Definitely at the time, I was like, yeah, I really don't want... Because I did work really hard for my OP1, so yeah. I didn't want to waste it. Um, especially because we did QCS, and my school was like... Yeah, they didn't help you. OP1, OP4. Yeah. There's no, there was no one in between that. Were you the only OP1? Only OP1, yeah. Oh my gosh, you're a so, genius, Tan. No, but um, I know that it's not... Like, a lot of people can get OP1. It's not so amazing. But I do know that... Uh, uh, you know Raymond? Yeah. We did get the same ATAR, which I was pretty happy with. Oh, because like weird. coming from grammar where you do get your grades boosted. Yeah. And then my school where yeah. it, I was I was pretty at the time I think I was quite proud. But irregardless, yeah, I didn't want to waste it. Um, but then I had to do because I didn't do UMAT, I yeah. had to do um Biomat, which is OP seven. You weren't deciding to Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really sure. So I went to do um uh Biomed, which is OP seven. Yeah. Yeah. But in the end, OP1 still didn't go to waste because the amount of money I've made from tutoring <laughs> is, is crazy. Oh, so did you like plug that, plug that on your... Um, I didn't have to. My parents definitely did that, but oh, in the so Viet good. community and in my area, yeah. like, it's, it's like obvious. a monopoly. Oh. So, <laughs> pretty much. Like yeah, definitely so at the time, and I would say the more, definitely the feeling of ha hard work into success yeah. like the of getting an achievement definitely invaluable yeah super invaluable yeah like i know um uh i wasn't actually that amazing as a student i was like getting like i think b's and 
B's and C's yeah. from grade nine and 10. But I know in Naplan, I did quite well. So like mm. that's the skill, core skills, right? Yeah. But then in grade 10, I accidentally um, topped my grade. So as in I got second in everything. Humble. Wow. Um, so then I topped, but then the feeling of winning once, yeah. uh, I think if not, that was probably my turning point for being a high achiever. I wasn't a high achiever before then, but yeah. winning once in grade 10, I like yeah. in, in a top, but to so be fair, good. Probably a bit toxic, like yeah. how definitely first year, myself in first year, yeah. a horrible person to talk to academically. Oh. Should not talk to me. <laughs> definitely like, hey, what grades did you get? Like, oh, oh, really? I got, I got a seven. Like that, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Definitely yeah. shouldn't talk to me in first year. But um, from <laughs> grade 10. I met you in first year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, grade 10, definitely my academic turning point for real. Like, I think I just got addicted to like victory. Yeah. And did yeah. you like study like 10 times harder or like? Was Definitely. It I like studied every day, like every, I was at school till like five every day. But see, I say this, but hearing from state high kids is quite common, but it's more like, I think, which I am speaking about myself in this sense, yeah. but that I think I respect now that I look back at it is like um, in an environment like a private school or um, a selective school where the academic culture is greater yeah. Like everyone's expected to do well and everyone pushes each other. Yeah. Being alone in that situation, I'm yeah. proud that I was able to identify that. Yeah, myself. that's so amazing. Yeah, because like no one, like everyone would be like, oh, you're studying so much. Like, why are you studying so much? Yeah, and especially when it's like not the norm. Yeah, so you yeah. have to go against Definitely. the norm, which takes a lot of yeah. like mm. discipline, which yeah, you learn discipline. growing up. Yeah, on from farm picking chilies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, but obviously, yeah, mm. the victory, the success. Yeah, yeah, definitely like pushes me. Yeah. yeah, okay, cool. And then, um, so tell me about going to uni and, you know, coming to like UQ and stuff, sort of, mm. you know, little farm boy meets city-ish almost life, but not quite. Mm. Definitely first year was a experience of like, uh, <laughs> like social, social reset, like definitely yeah. very poor social skills first year, <laughs> but second year definitely developed like much better, like it got better. And then I don't know, but lately, like, um, I'm pretty comfortable. Like, yeah, you're so I definitely, popular now, Tan. Yeah, hello. <laughs> uh, um, but I do like, I do enjoy working with people as well, which is why I want to do allied health yeah. um, as my degree. Um, and yeah, I suppose like definitely, yeah, doing biomed, getting like, it was just like school part two, essentially. Yeah. But um, speech path is definitely more like, I feel like I'm working towards my job. Like yeah. as in I'm building these skills so I can be a better speech pathologist, yeah. less so that I'm just studying to do an exam, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Like, actually, I do really, really respect the way UQ runs speech path. I think it's really good. Like, compared to biomed, where it's high school, yeah. part two, is like, yeah. oh, study for this to do this test. But to be fair, though, um, I think the mindset of most people going into biomed isn't to do something in biomed, but to do medicine. Yes. So that's obviously, maybe that's why it's like that. But speech path is very, like, they make you do placements really early on, clinic really early on. Yeah. Like very hands on. It's definitely very very intensive, but you really develop both things at the same time. Like I can hundred percent feel like me last year does not have the clinical skills of me this year. Whereas in mm. biomed, first year to second year, second year like oh man, I forgot all that first year yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's I get you. it's really different. But UQ, I think the speech prep program is really good. Oh wow! Yeah, I know it is actually world renowned. I'm pretty sure. So that's why a lot of overseas students come to do speech path here as well. Yeah. Like my, my cohort, the master's cohort, is I think 50% uh, international. Oh, 
So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and tell me about that trans transition from biomed into speech path, and mm. why, what do you love about speech path? Or was it just kind mm. of like a random? I in biomed, I definitely uh, two because I was kind of thinking about. It. I did sociology as my last mm. thing. And in that, I learned a lot about the allied health role, I guess, and how it's more people focused like therapy, as in mm -hmm. focusing on the end result, less so than putting them in a position where they might be fine. That makes yeah. sense? Where it's like, because I know even my med friends now, when they get to like therapy or a bit deeper into their topic, it says refer to physio, refer to speech, uh, refer to OT. Yeah. Um, it's not super about like, but whereas speech and stuff is more like, oh, how do we get them to a place where they are fully or like in a comfortable level of functioning, less so than, I think they'll be fine from here. Yeah. Like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I also did musculoskeletal anatomy and neuroanatomy, and I definitely preferred neuroanatomy. Mm. Um, so in that sense, I really like the idea of speech where it is more like um, neurologically focused as yeah. well. And I have always also enjoyed like languages, communication, yeah. everything. Honestly, speech is very kind of, I'm quite lucky to have it. Like I would say at the start, when I was young, I wanted to be author, creative, whatever. I think in high school, I wanted to be a translator. Now I remember, oh. uh, interpreter. Because I really liked learning different languages and interpreting. Yeah. And then by uni, in biomed, I discovered I like working in kind of like a healthcare field. Yeah. Like as in some kind of biomedical or like, um, like, like you know, like I guess yeah. health related. And then I was lucky that when I graduated from biomed, I had speech, which is the combination of all these yeah. things. Right, yeah. And like, it's got like an education, aspects, a yeah. um, healthcare aspect, and a language aspect as well. Yeah. So I thought that was like, I was really lucky to have it at the end. And my mum, when I wanted to do med, she was like, she felt like it didn't suit me. But when I wanted to do speech craft, she said, for her, it just really felt, as someone who's seen me grow up, she felt it was really like in oh, line. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm. Connecting all the dots. When yeah, back. I was really, I'm, I'm, I think having speech, I'm very, very lucky. Because I know a lot of people, when they graduate or when they, they some people don't ever reach a point where they yeah. really find what they want to do. Yeah. But then, especially with my um, perspective of work where I'm like, I want to do what I like till I, till I die. Yeah. I'm very lucky to have something that suits me so well. Yeah. So, or from my, at least from my standpoint, I'd say yeah, so. Yeah, that's cool. So sell us yeah. speech path. What do you love about it? And how are the clinicals? Um, it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> the clinic, the, it's definitely tough. Like. I like I'm a high achiever in in bio uh, biomed, but not yeah. in speech path. Oh, like, in the sense that um, the priorities are really different. Like in biomed, when you talk about concepts like ethical concepts or more like how to treat patients, yeah, it's really one offline that you can skip, honestly. Mm -hmm. But in speech, they yeah. like say stuff like give ten good ways to treat families or something oh. like that. And then from my like when I first entered. And the way I studied for exams was not the way that you study for speech. Ah. Like I ignored really important information. And that kind of does show like the mindset of biomed where it's yeah. like the stuff you don't look at and the stuff you do. I always yeah. focused on the, oh, like all these pathways, mechanisms or like the really technical. concrete technical yeah, yeah, stuff. Um, yeah, but speech then in speech, not at, not at all. There are so many conceptual questions like how would you explain, like, or literally ex how would you explain this to a family? Like, how would you do this and this? And I think it's very, very functional. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that I can see on an exam that I'd say, why am I learning this? Yeah. Like, it's all really useful, I would say. Aww. Like, um, the mindset's just totally different, yeah. But, um, yeah, like, I think, um, and it's, you know, it's, uh, also, I, like, working with disabled people as well. Yeah. Um, communication, swallowing, 
all these kinds of areas. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Mm. And tell me more about the clinicals. So, like, mm. you like, um, what kind of different settings have you sort of worked in, and are there any sort of like special cases mm. that you sort of remember? I'm in my first year of a two point five year um, degree. So I've only done two clinics. One of them was a pediatric clinic at UQ yeah. and another one was a telehealth clinic. Yeah. I think legally I'm not allowed to say much about the names, but I think yeah. I can say yeah. a bit about my experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it was, it was good because I really got shocked to my core. It was like, I, for me, um, I equated this to practicals in biomed, in which yeah. it's quite like pass-fail. And this is, clinic is technically pass-fail, but yeah. clinic is also working with real people. You really shouldn't think of it in a way that's pass fail. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, in my first sem, I nearly, fa I've never failed anything in my life, that's but crazy. I nearly failed the pass fail. Um, actually, technically speaking, I'm pretty sure I did. Oh. But um, the course coordinator saw that I shouldn't have failed and they, they let yeah. me pass. But, um, and I know like me and my CE had our differences, our clinical educator had our differences. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely. But that first clinic I found really valuable because for example, like um, they give us notes about the client and um, the, no the client's notes prior to my therapy block was yeah. like, this kid is like a monster. Like, yeah, this yeah. kid is like, runs around, shouts, like throws stuff, he's yeah. so disruptive. And then me and, my, me, me and my partner, we were like, oh, this sounds really scary. But then yeah. when we went in, his parents came in and he was, he was all right. Like he wasn't, he wasn't anything crazy. He was just like a, a boy, like a yeah. little boy. And then his parents were like, oh, um, we hated the last two. Like we hated the last people. They were so like, they were so not mean, but they were so not accepting of him. Yeah. They like didn't cater towards his needs. They just, did. and then you can see that the view of like the notes versus the view of the parents is yeah. really different. Yeah. And I could tell that like the kid, like they were even saying like, oh, um, we might not come back depending on the therapy block because it's just yeah. like last experience was so bad. We felt like nothing happened and it was yeah. like 12 weeks of nothing. And then the progress was really little, but um, that therapy block, I was really happy because um, male speech pathologists are really uncommon, really uncommon. Yeah, that's and then true. for him, I think he really needed, like, <laughs> I guess kind of like, because his mom also said that he loves his dad a lot. Yeah. You know, he's a very, he's very boyish. Yeah. And I think one of the key things my CE said was my benefit was knowing what little boys like. Yeah. <laughs> like knowing what little kids it. like. And it's like, and it's surprising because like all the games that the, all the therapy options that they provided with him last time were really stereotypical straight from the lectures. Uh, and that just didn't work for him, but they kept doing the same stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas when I came to my time, oh, like we used Nerf guns or like stuff mm. like that. And then for me, I think that's pretty kids like Nerf guns. But, yeah. Um, Good choice. I don't know how no one ever thought of using it before. Yeah. It's just so like, oh. but I guess like they just didn't find it. They just didn't want to do that. Yeah. But um, it, hit, it worked for him really well. And I think that's definitely my best experience with a client so far because I felt like I definitely made an impact on that client yeah. because he's one of those kids that I think um, your mindset to them is like they're very rowdy, they misbehave. Um, and when they get stuff wrong, you think they're being cheeky. Yeah. Right? His mum was definitely like that. She was like, oh, he's just getting it wrong on purpose. Like he's yeah. trying to do that sometimes. But then for one time we did it, we were doing a formal assessment to test some of his abilities. Yeah. And um, it really it was like, oh, can you point out the first and the last object or something like that? Yeah. And for the first object, he pointed to an object on the right-hand side, yeah. which is not for us, our convention, the first is from left to right. Yeah. So we realized that he couldn't tell 
yeah. left-right convention, yeah. which for us is something so basic, yeah. right? But finding that out, Tora's mom was so crazy because, yeah. for example, when she, he's spelling words like the word no, N-O, yeah. he yeah. says on. He oh. reads it backwards, right? And but for her, it's so obvious. She thinks he's being dumb. She yeah. thinks he's being stupid on purpose. It's just so, yeah, it's yeah. so for us, it's so core, right? And then for me, I think that was like, thank God we found that. Yeah. <laughs> because like, otherwise, like in classrooms, there's so many things where it's like, do this first, do this last. Yeah. Or like read from left to right yeah. or anything yeah, yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah. It's such Sequence. a core basic skill. Um, but in saying that, that means we send them to an OT. We don't target that. That's for uh, occupational therapists to deal with. Yeah. Um, but like, and that also goes to show that the last therapy block, they didn't look at him enough to even see that, which I think is really disappointing. Yeah. Like it's such a core thing that he really needed for therapy. Yeah. Um, but I think that is one of those things where it's like, oh, real intervention. Even though I'm still a student, <clears throat> the impact definitely felt there. Like yeah. for, cause his mom started, I think when she found out it was like, all these things started to make sense. It was like, oh, that's why he does it like this. Like, because the thing is like, when they get it wrong, like they just get discouraged or they get yeah. nervous or they laugh. Like they don't, there's not, yeah. like the reaction isn't going to be natural if they get it wrong. You know what I mean? So then, and then they interpret it poorly. Like, oh, why are you getting it wrong on purpose all the time? Yeah. You know, stuff. But um, yeah, like those kinds of impacts, I guess, is uh, feels good, naturally. Naturally, yeah. it feels quite good. Yeah, so, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then tell me more about like, what exactly does a speech pathologist do? Because that was kind of interesting. You were sort of testing him on like what is first and what is last. Um, but I yeah. imagine was mm. was the boy like probably having some issues with like communication kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, he. Um, I think I can't give too much incriminating yeah, information. Yeah, yeah, don't. <laughs> I don't really know, but um, so, we but work like, with like speech difficulties, so speech language um, pathologists. But we yeah. also do swallowing. Um, yeah. So speech, so anything regarding the movement of your mouth to make sound, yeah. language in terms of like the processing. And um, swallowing in terms of like, like understanding, a, yeah, what you're understanding, saying. expressive, receptive, like yeah. comprehension, um, and then like expressive language as well, um, and also swallowing only because the muscles that we use for speech are the same ones that we use for swallowing. Yeah. So we do swallowing as well, um, but it's like mainly those three areas. The caseload is, I'd say, a lot of pediatrics because obviously yeah. kids that's a really important time for development, but also in um, like adults as well, whether it be like. Because um, with aged care, like dementia and stuff yeah. like that, it can affect your um, motor function with your mouth, as well as swallowing is also really important for that kind of thing as well. So the caseload is very spread out, but compared to physio, I think compared to physio, but similar to OT, the pediatric um, market is very large because yeah. communication in that is very important. Like yeah. for kids' development, like if they fall behind, they can just never catch up. Yeah. So it's really catch like. The um, kind of thing. Especially nowadays, uh, speech pathologists in schools, like as almost like a another teacher, is becoming very common. Mm. I think um, like it's a like if you want a job in there, it's really easy. But not that I would do that. But yeah. <laughs> it's a really common job opportunity now. But it's essentially just being like a because my telehealth clinic that I'm doing, I did last sem, was um, doing that for uh, over telehealth. But the content I taught wasn't really specific to speech path. It wasn't like oh make this sound or anything. It was pretty much like reteaching conjunctions, reteaching mm. that. Like it's quite, Mini it is teaching. primary school stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's more like they're too behind that they can't keep up with class. So it's supplementary lessons to make yeah. them catch up. Like it's more like that. It's not like, oh, we have this secret set of techniques that we're not giving teachers. Mm. It's more like we're trying to catch them back up to speed so they can access the educational curriculum. Yeah. Something like that. That's cool. And do you know for your future, do you want to focus more on like, 
working with kids or like older patients? Do you adults, <laughs> for sure adults. Kids uh, are very like, uh, at first when I came in, I thought I'd be 0% kids, but kids are actually quite, quite fine. And it's fun because you, in terms of problem solving skills, kids is actually, I think more problem solving skills yeah. because it's like, you're trying to figure out a way that you can um, accommodate for them. Yeah. It's more of a, more of a challenge, I'd say, but definitely, um, with kids, you need to have high energy all the time. Ooh. Like a lot of them don't understand when they make gains or when they make progress. So you need to be very dramatic, really dramatic. Like, <laughs> wow, like great job. Like, but then sometimes you're, there's days where you just don't like feel like Your it energy, man. and you can't, like you can't give that to them. Yeah. yeah. So definitely in adults for me as well, I think being able to reason with the patient is a thing I'd like to do that logical like, like that would be definitely a lot nicer than the kids like you just have to do it like, yeah yeah um but I know like but I actually don't mind Pete's I thought I would dislike it yeah. but nowadays it's quite fun like I do like it but I've had a year and a half of Pete's I think I'm going on placement soon it'll be for probably for adults I'd say. I also work with kids as well as an allied health assistant yeah. so I have fair share of pediatric caseload <laughs> I'm very prepared to work with adults now. <laughs> Hopefully it's to my expectation. So, yeah. but either way is okay. If adults turns out to be too confronting or not that fun, yeah. then I'm, I'd be happy to do pediatrics still. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. And so what exactly is sort of the career path for speech pathology? So you do three, um, three years bachelor and then two years masters or? Um, so I did, um, the masters program is more like, it's an allied health bridge. So um, yeah. you don't need to, you could just do speech path from the start for four years. Oh, it's four like, years. So bachelor is the four years, but then master's is 2.5. Yeah. So they tend to have this master's program for any allied health, physio, yeah. occupational therapy, and yeah. so you've had in audiology as a mm. bridge, like once you finish a degree and you want to swap, um, it's like that. So it's not like, Compulsive. it's not it's not advanced. It's not like, when I say master's of speech, a lot of people think, yeah. whoa, oh, speech fair. path, like speech path plus? Yeah. Like, no, not really. It's like the same thing. It's just faster because yeah. I have a degree yeah. already. And like the, I get paid slightly more. Ooh, as in like I'm one thing above but it's very very minimal but um yeah it's like a uh it's like a bridging a lot of I know a lot of people who were going to do med yeah. and then they choose not to do it anymore yeah. um they swapped it because it's like an easy way to still do healthcare yeah but no, not 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 easy it's it's hard the master's program is pretty intense like I did talk to some of my med friends and my contact hours is actually more than their contact hours, that's crazy. technically speaking. But that's because my clinic is also quite big and that yeah. takes a big chunk of it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then so after, if you still do the masters and then what kind of like, <clears throat> in terms of like career, so you can choose one is like adults or kids and what are the sort of other sort of different choices that you can make in terms of like, you do you choose like, like aged care, you choose like the place um, you want it or? I'd say it really depends, but if it's a private clinic, it's probably kids. Because, yeah. But if you're doing adults, it's probably the hospital. Yeah. So it's like, and there's many different wards. You could do like a re-rehabilitation ward, so uh, you're yeah. working rehab, or acute ward where you would be doing diagnosis. So you'd be like, oh, this person needs this help here. Um, there's a lot of different, I guess, areas, but uh, I know with regarding adults and peds, um, if you're in one of them, you pretty much need to do everything in that area. Mm -hmm. So if you're in peds, you need to be able to do from, you know, school age to infant. Oh. And then if you're doing adults, you need to do, be able to do um, motor speech, neurological yeah. swallowing. You need to do all of it. But it's the case, like the separation is mainly like 
the caseload. And even then in hospital, it might be mixed too. You might see like um, pediatric yeah. patients too. Um, but I think the bigger thing is like, yeah, acute and rehabilitation one or something like that. Yeah. Like, like depending on the type of area. But, um, and yeah, I guess in peds, if it's private, it's more like, uh, like the caseload will be different. But you could also work in a school where it's more like literacy yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, that's cool. And um, would it ever be like a nine to five or would the hours be like very long, like stereotypical mm -hmm. of like- I'm not super sure about the hours, but I have talked to a few of my CEs about it and their workload is pretty crazy. <laughs> I know it is kind of like a nine to five, essentially. Like they don't do work when they're out, but well, at the job as a CE, like it's so crazy. Like um, we have like three, three people in our clinic and each of us have three kids. Yeah. But the thing is our CE can't just let us work without looking. Yeah. So that's technically for her, that's three, three new clients. Times. But then she also has another session. So that's three others times three. So it's yeah. nine, nine, six, so it's 18. On top of her own yeah. clients, which is like 12 or something. So she must not sleep. Like there's, uh, but to be fair, and it's not amazing. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but we have an emphasis on having child-centered care. So really individualizing. But the reality with the workload is that it will tend to be client, like, uh, we're trying to client centered care, where we focus on them, yeah. uh, where you individualize something for them. But obviously with the level of efficiency, it tends to be clinician centered, where like you have to, you use this one test for everyone. Yeah. Like that kind yeah. of thing, which, um, yeah. you know, it's but kind of yeah, it's, it's to be expected, I'd say. But um, they do really, UQ really emphasizes a lot on like principles. Yeah. We get tested on principles a lot. like. What should you yeah. like? What should you do to make sure that this is like the best way for care? Yeah, and that kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, that's cool. We're nearly at the end of the podcast. Okay. A few more quick questions. Mm -hmm. So Tan, what do you think the meaning of life is? <laughs> um, I think for me, definitely, you probably tell from what I've said is like not servitude to others, but yeah. I think having a function I think is really important. Like yeah. for me, uh, I, I normally only say this in a joke context, yeah. but I, I do kind of I do kind of mean it. But having an impact or leaving an impact on others' existence, I yeah. think, like verifies your own. Not yeah. to say you should not be your own person, yeah. but it's more like, like this is a really bad example. Yeah. But um, there's a friend that I make jokes with a lot in the library. Not bullying, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, like we joke around and stuff. And then when I walk into the library and he sees me, he sighs. Yeah. It's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, I, that's like my existence. Yeah. It's influenced yeah, yeah. whether it be positively or negatively. Yeah. It's influenced I get you. So that's why I definitely want to work in healthcare. Yeah. And like, I think, I like that really social perspective because I know a lot of people say stuff like, um, oh, you shouldn't care about what other people think. Yeah. But to be honest, if you have to share the world with a lot of other people, if you want to not care about what other people think, you should probably live alone. Like, yeah. Go live on an island or something. Yeah. Like, live the reality is part. you have to, <laughs> like, the reality is you have to like be around a lot of other people in life and be part of society if you want if you choose to be um so i think like giving social value not like friend as in like oh social value like yeah, that kind of thing i think is important yeah, like, yeah. otherwise because the thing is everyone if you think of a relative sense if you choose any like if you choose compared to like maybe an insect then yeah. you'd be like an all-powerful being yeah. but then if you choose into like you know, a galaxy, then we're nothing. So you really need, the only way you can get value is you compare yourself relative to people yeah. in your vicinity. That's the way I choose to see it, at least. Mm, that's interesting. Cool. The next question is, so if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do differently about your life, if anything? Uh, 
buy less food. <laughs> Probably. I spend a lot of money on food. Buy I less guess. food. If you won the so lottery. If I won the lottery, yeah, I would then because I would feel like I would just like leave it there and then just burn it all away on food. So then I would make a keynote like, oh, now that I have a lot of money, it's good to like start saving it or something to make sure that like that's to make sure I stay rich. Yeah. Or something. Okay. Yeah, I would say. I'm not that good with money, honestly. Really yeah. not that good with money. Yeah. Sounds good. And the final question is, what is an ideal day in the life for you? It can be like study related, it can be speech path related, it can be anything related. Probably go to work or something in a day or like uh, whatever ideal job I would have. And then at night would be like, or probably right after work, maybe take a break some shape or form, eat or something, but then go out at the end for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Like having that, I really like the idea of having a, like a schedule. Yeah. Like, or like a, a routine, Ooh. I think is really enjoyable. Like waking up, doing something, and then when you're done, like something. And that is normally the way my day goes. Like yeah. I do live quite fast, so I make sure to put everything in one chunk, and then at the end I just like chill or something. Yeah, yeah. cool. Sounds good. So we're at the end, cool. want to say bye? Bye.